Well, let's welcome back Coach Bruton for this Christmas special. So, Coach, uh, do you have any team updates for us? Yeah, we actually got a big team update. So, uh, I think since we last talked, obviously the all-conference awards came out and had some guys on there, which was awesome. Um, but, but the biggest, really, team update we have is, you know, we hired uh, Coach Woodson, Coach Woody, as our defensive back coach. And uh, Keith Woodson uh, is an alum. Uh, was one of the best players I've ever coached here. Um, played played corner for us. Um, he kind of came in when I came in in 2007. Uh, was a four-year starter at corner. Had an outstanding career. Um, ended up as a student coach with us for a year. And that's been coaching uh, the high school level. Coached at a couple different colleges in the Chicagoland area. And really has been a guy that I've been trying to, uh, to hire for a long time. You know, a guy I thought would be a great fit. And um, we had an opening, as we talked about, I think, during the season. We were, you know, we were shorthanded a little bit in the coaching staff. And um, you know, he called us up and said, hey, I think I can make it work. And, and, and uh, you know, I wanted the job. And, and we interviewed him, and, and it went really well. And just really excited to have him back because he was an outstanding player. Um, he's done a great job as a coach. And, and I think the guy that really is going to uh, elevate our program. So, Coach Woody, uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear that name a lot, but he'll be coaching our defensive backs and, um, you know, along with Coach Edmond and, and just really excited to have him in the fold and uh, just really excited for our guys to have just another coach here in the office every day that's going to be able to be there for them and uh, assist them in all ways. So, um, yeah, just, just an exciting time for our program. Well, you know, that, that's great he can coach football, uh, Coach, but uh, can, he, can he talk history in top five lists? I, you know, I don't know if he's going to be uh, our most accomplished coach in that area that we've had. Um, but, you know, like I said, if he can get our DBs right, we can teach him the other stuff. We, we'll, get him, we'll get him taught up on World War II and everything else. Well, let's jump into fan questions. I was very appreciative. Lots of people wrote in to send in their questions. So let's start with Al. He says, looking back on the season, do you feel like there are changes that need to be made in schemes or coaching staff for the upcoming season? We talked about one already, but other ones as well. Yeah, you know, I don't think changes in coaching staff in terms of, uh, you know, any changes with the staff we currently have. I think just getting more help, uh, just more bodies. Obviously, Coach, Coach Woodson is going to be a big help. Um, scheme-wise, you're, you're always looking at, at things you can do differently. I, you know, I think offensively, uh, we can be a little more multiple. You know, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, potentially utilizing more motion, more formations. Uh, we have to be better in the red zone. Um, so, so trying to be more creative in the red zone, I think, is going to be a big point of emphasis and, you know, you're always looking to evolve. You're always looking to, to kind of play to your team's strengths. Um, you know, we changed as the season went along, you know, especially as Robbie developed. Um, you know, our offense changed and kind of got geared a little bit more towards the quarterback run game. And um, as we had some injuries in the backfield as well, it, it kind of changed. So you're always looking to evolve. And if you're not, you're, you're falling behind. So, yeah, there'll be changes. You know, I don't know that we're going to be drastically different. You know, we're certainly not going to become a pro style or a wishbone offense or anything like that, um, you know, next year. But, you know, what can we do differently? What can we um, do to play to our guys' strengths is going to be a huge key. And defensively, we're the same way. You know, we'll keep looking at scheme. And, and uh, you know, you're self-scouting during the season, you know, but the off season is really a time for really significant self-scout where you're looking at, you know, what you ran and, and how effective it was and, uh, what tweaks you can make. So, yeah, I think absolutely you're going to see, you know, small tweaks and the small changes, and um, some of it will be pretty subtle and some of it may be, you know, maybe uh, bigger changes. Ian would like to know, with Christmas season coming in, is it easier for you to recruit now or do you find it more challenging? You know, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think for some of it, you know, the, the students that you're recruiting have uh, some time off of school, so you're not – uh, they might have a little more availability. 
Um, the, the biggest thing that's probably difficult uh, for us, but for most schools, is that um, you know Lakeland as a university, we pretty much shut down for about a two-week period, um, which is great from, from our standpoint. You know, we get out of the office, it really allows you to recharge, allows all of our employees to recharge and spend time with family, things like that. Um, but what you see then is it's, you know, we, we really won't have any campus visits. Um, there's not a lot of movement in the admissions process in terms of uh, getting things processed and financial aid and things like that. So there's kind of a two-week holding period uh, with the students that you're working with. Um, you know, and the other thing I'll say is that obviously, you know, the, the, the students, athletes we're recruiting, you know, they're, they're with their families. They have different things going on with the holidays. So sometimes their focus changes a little bit. You know, they're not in schools. They're not quite in that, that mode of recruiting and things like that. So uh, there's, there's positives and negatives. Um, you know, we'll spend some time recruiting, obviously, over the break. Uh, we'll have some days that our coaches will be pretty locked in on recruiting. And there'll be other days that, that our coaches, you know, probably won't, won't uh, pick up a phone or, or send an email. You know, they'll, they'll be away from it a little bit. And um, So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, like I said, that two-week period, you know, we're off here from – um, this Thursday till, till January 4th, the school essentially closed. Um, only essential personnel is here, so it's really so some food service staff, some maintenance staff, things like that, but everybody else here on campus is pretty much shut down. So uh, that's really the biggest challenge we'll have over this time period. Darren would like to know if there's anything that you can do to address the special teams so that you have more confidence in them for next year. Yeah. Um, I, I think for sure we, we have to get better in, in all areas, the special teams. You know, we have to be better with our coverage units. Uh, we got to be better in the kicking game. Uh, we got to get more consistent with our snapping. Um, you know, one of the strengths that Coach Woodson will bring to us, he was um, a cornerback for us, but he's probably the best long snapper we've ever had here. Um, so having him in the program, um, you know, having him back kind of coaching our long snappers will be a big advantage. I think that's an area that we can get better. Uh, we're also looking to bring in, you know, we're looking to bring in competition at the kicker position. You know, we only had one kicker this year, one punter this year. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, Peyton handled the punting duties, but he really wasn't a, a punter by, by uh, trade. You know, he was a guy that kind of handled it just because we needed a body. Um, so I think trying to bring in just a, a guy that can punt is, is something that will be important to us. Um, you know, we're going to remain aggressive in the special teams, um, but, but we need to be better when we choose to punt and, and really more consistent in that area. So, that would be a big point of emphasis for us. And I think looking back, um, as we evaluate the season, I think just as a staff and as a team, putting more emphasis on special teams is going to be important. Um, it's got to become more of a priority for us. Um, you know, the other thing I'll say is that I think if, if we can add more depth to our program, more quality depth, um, our coverage unit should be better. Our return unit should be better. Um, you know, we played a lot of starters on special teams. Um, and then we played a lot of guys that were very, very young. You know, we didn't have that kind of that middle group of, of sophomores and juniors that maybe are – key backups, uh, we just didn't have that depth this year. And that's something we have to develop again in our program, and that's going to help our special teams. Next up is Joe. It says, Robbie Michaels got to believe that he's uh, confident enough to come in as a starter next year. What do you do to, or what do you expect from him during this next nine months for him to prepare for the upcoming season? You know, we expect um, him to work. You know, he's a really, really competitive kid. Um, he's playing basketball right now. Uh, here at Lakeland, so he, you know, obviously with concussions, he was out a little bit, uh, but he's now cleared, um, so he's getting back in the flow with basketball, so he's going to be, you know, a, a contributor on our basketball program for sure, um, but, you know, I expect him to, to really work. Um, he knows that he needs to add some weight, um, needs to add some strength, needs to just develop his body a little bit. He's a small kid um, to begin with, but I think he can develop a little bit in the weight room, so that's going to be a point of emphasis. Uh, we expect him to be a, a much more vocal leader. Um, 
you know, it's hard when you come in as a freshman, even at the quarterback position, even though you're in a leadership role, it's really hard to be the leader when you're a freshman. And now that he's kind of been established, um, we saw that as the year went on, he became a little more vocal. Uh, but I expect him to be just to become more of a leader in our program and understand that, um, you know, he is going to come into next year as a starter. And, and our expectation is that he's going to be the guy while also knowing there's going to be competition and whether that's competition with our returners or competition with, with some freshmen or transfer quarterbacks we may bring in, um, he's going to have the first opportunity. You know, with that comes the responsibility of being the leader. So, you know, expect him to become more vocal, um, hold guys accountable. You know, the great thing is that he, he is a local, um, you know, so whether he stays on campus this summer or, or stays at home, he's a 15-minute drive from campus. So he'll be here all summer long to throw with our guys, to throw with the receivers, to get groups together. Um, and that's what our expectation is, and, and I think he's excited about that uh, that role, and he's excited about you know the leadership that he's going to provide. I'm glad you used this word during that uh, answer because Gina would like to know. You've talked about the transfer portal, but would you mind explaining to us how that exactly works? Yeah, so it's you know it's really an interesting um, interesting process, and it's it's new. Um, you know, the, the transfer portal in total is probably three or four years old, but with every year of the portal, it becomes um, bigger. So, so really what the transfer portal is, is um, any, any student athlete at any level of the NCAA, um, so Division One down through Division III, um, can notify their institution that they would like to enter the transfer portal. Um, so what, they, what happens is they essentially go into um, – the portal, uh, which is almost like a like a spreadsheet um, that we can access online. Um, you have to have a code and a password, so it's not like anyone can access it, but but NCAA members can access it, um, and it just essentially alerts other schools that you are looking to transfer. Um, so the the portal, you know, if I click on a on a young man that's in the portal, there's not a lot of information. They have their email address. There's a handful of questions. Obviously, their their school, um, but that's about it. But really, it's just um, you're letting Every school know that hey, you're interested in transferring, um, and that allows you to be contacted. So, if a student is not in the portal, um, if a student athlete's not in the portal, we can't contact them. Um, even if we've heard they want to transfer, even if we've heard um, they're interested in whatever it might be, uh, we as coaches are not allowed to, to contact them. Uh, once their name is in the portal, it's free game. They can be contacted by anyone, um, pretty much without restriction. Um, so it's really just the the uh, ability. For a student to say, hey, I want to reopen my recruitment and I want uh, other schools to look at me. Um, so it's been it's been different. You know, I think the, the hard part for Division three is um, transferring has become more prevalent. It's become more accepted. Um, you know, it's almost like if, if a student isn't looking to transfer, especially at the Division one level now, you're asking what's wrong, you know. So a lot, a lot of guys are going to the portal. They wanted to, you know, look at their opportunities. Um, and I think they want to keep open the possibility of potentially coming back to their current institution. You know, so one of our players could enter the portal, um, decide they want to look at their options, but still leave open the option of returning to Lakeland. And that's where, uh, quite honestly, it becomes hard as coaches. And I've talked to a lot of coaches at different schools is, you know, how do you handle that? You know, you have a guy that's kind of halfway in. You know, they're, they're not saying they're all the way out, but they're kind of out. Um, do you keep that person as a member of your program? Do you allow them the opportunity to come back? Um, or, do you, or do you say, hey, once you're in the portal, you're kind of shutting the door from, from a return to your school? So that's really the challenge, I think, for us as coaches is trying to figure that out. And um, you know, there are students that are in the portal uh, because they didn't receive a lot of playing time and they're looking for an opportunity to play more. Uh, there are students that are in the portal because 
they played a lot and they were a really good player. And now they're looking to see if there's scholarship opportunities, if there's a, a bigger school, you know, maybe a, a Division two school that wants to give them a scholarship. So they're in the portal. You have other guys that are in the portal for totally non-football-related reasons. You know, they want to be closer to home. They uh, didn't like something at the school, you know, whatever it might be, family reasons. So it, it's just a really interesting dynamic. Uh, but it creates a situation where, as Division three coaches, but really coaches at every level, you're kind of re-recruiting your current roster every season. Uh, and, and that's a challenge. It's different than how it has been, and, and uh, it, it really is a changing dynamic for sure. Wow. Next up is Palmer, who has to, uh, would like to know, what about that comeback by the Vikings on Saturday? Are you having more confidence in them now than you did a month ago? No, no more confident. Um, <laughs> terrific comeback. You know, I think uh, they also fell behind 33 nothing at home to the Colts, and that's the part that I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a kind of, I guess, a glass half full, glass half empty type situation. Uh, I don't think they're a very good football team, to be quite honest. Um you know, they, they've won some games and, and, and good. They're going to be a playoff team, and I think they should be. They're, you know, obviously they won the division, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the two seed if they got beaten, you know, in, in the opening game. Uh, but I think that it's – to me it's pretty clear that Philly and San Francisco are, um, you know, cut above the Vikings. Uh, they're probably a pretty clear distance above the Vikings. And, and I think even the Cowboys are probably a better team than the Vikings. So, I, you know, maybe they win one playoff game. Uh, I can't see them winning two playoff games. Next up is Paul who says, what's going on with your Bears? They look like they are going in reverse. Yeah, it's actually a really, really good strategy. They, uh, they play well enough, and Fields plays well enough to get you excited every week. And then they blow the game late so that we secure better draft stock. So it's really, you know, I think they what they've been doing has been great. You know, Fields makes – three or four plays a, uh, a Sunday that gets you excited and keeps you excited as a Bears fan. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing this year was we wanted to see growth from him and, and make sure that he was the guy, you know, because if you don't have the guy, if you don't have a guy, at quarterback, you don't have a shot. And he is. He's the guy. He's been outstanding. Um, and then we lose these close games so we don't, we don't hurt our draft position. I, I think right now they're in position to be the number two pick. Um, and the great thing is when you have a quarterback um, and you have the number two pick, you know, now you don't. You know, now you could trade that pick. You could trade it for, for multiple picks. You know, I think the Bears are. You know, I don't know if, if next year is the year, but I think within a year or two, you're going to see a really, really good football team because they're going to have a lot of draft capital. Uh, I think they have about 130 million in, in cap space for next year. Um, so it's going to be you know Fields and a totally revamped uh, roster that has a chance to be really good. You know, obviously that requires some faith in the uh, in the GM. And the coach, uh, but I, I think the upside for the Bears is really, really high. We have a couple of Tom Brady questions for you. The first is Rick says that NFC South looks embarrassing. However, do you think a Tom Brady leading his team into the playoffs makes him the most dangerous team during that time? No, the Buccaneers are terrible. They're they're, they're really really bad. Um, that whole division is bad. The Buccaneers are probably going to win that division. They're probably going to host a home playoff game, and they're probably going to get beat because that team is bad. And I, and I think this idea that because it's Brady, um, at some point they're just going to turn it on, they're going to get to the playoffs and be a different team, um, it, it's just false. That team is really slow. Uh, they can't block. It's a bad football team. So, you know, they're 6-8. They're um, you know, they beat the Saints a couple weeks ago in a really, really fluky game. You know, they've had two – you know, two comebacks, I think, where they were down um, a couple scores and came back late. 
twice. You know, they, they very easily could be like a four-win team, uh, probably should be a four-win team. So that, that team, Tampa is not dangerous at all. Anybody that, uh, you know, that, that's going to be the five seed is probably going to be Dallas. Um, I think that playoff game will, will most likely be Dallas and Tampa, and Dallas will beat Tampa. Uh, but you can, you can make that prediction right now. Um, you know, if you're somebody that, that likes to wager some money, go put money on Dallas to beat Tampa right now because that's going to happen. Chris says, I would think it would be very hard to block out off-field things that are going on as a player, comma, comma, especially at the quarterback position where it's such a head part of the game. So do you feel like Tom Brady's struggles this season are because of his divorce? I mean, I'm sure it didn't help. I don't know. You know, I can't obviously speak for Tom Brady, but I'm sure it doesn't help. You know, I think um, as a player, as a coach, you try to block that stuff out as much as possible. But but it affects you. You know, I think um, you know, what we see from our athletes here at Lakeland is is any stress they have, you know, we try to tell them, you know, always be where your feet are at, you know. So if you're on the practice field, if you're on the game field, your focus has got to be there. Uh, but that's something that's really easy to see, to say, and it's a lot harder in practice. So, um, or to put into practice. You know, I, I think it's very difficult when uh, there's outside stresses. You know, we'll know when a player is having problems with his girlfriend or when, you know, there might be a, a struggle at home or maybe there's stress with academics or with a test coming up. You, you can just tell, and, and it's hard for uh, anyone to separate that, you know, and I think when you're going through something as traumatic as divorce, uh, I can't imagine how difficult that, that has been. So I'm sure it's affected him. You know, I, to say that that's the sole reason for his struggles, I don't think is accurate. I mean, the guy's 45 years old and he's playing in the NFL. So that may have something to do with it. I think their offensive line is terrible, so that probably has something to do with it. Uh, so I think it's, it's a combination of, of a bunch of things. But you know, to say that you know if him and Giselle were were happily still married, they'd be eleven and three. I think is is a uh, really a faulty logic. We have a couple of questions for you from Dylan. The first is, who do you see as winning the national championship this year? Now, Georgia. Uh, I think it's Georgia, and I think it's Georgia by a pretty wide margin. So. I think they win. Um, I think they beat Ohio State pretty handily, a couple scores. Um, I think the other game, the TCU-Michigan game, I think is going to be closer than people think, but but I probably think Michigan wins. And I think Georgia rocks Michigan again in the national championship game. I, I, think, I think Georgia is, is just a cut above everybody else. and um, We'll see, obviously, on the field, but I, I think Georgia wins and, and wins uh, pretty handily. He'd also like to know, what's a bowl matchup that you really like, even if it doesn't have any national championship ramifications? Whew. That's a, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. There's been a couple. You know, I thought the uh, – I was interested in the Oregon State-Florida game. It just happened, um, you know, a couple weeks ago – or a couple days ago. I think there's a lot of them that, um, you know, it's so hard because of all the opt-outs. You know, you don't know who's – Who's really playing? Um, I'm interested in, in Kansas and Arkansas. You know, I think um, I think what Kansas has done and what what Lance has done in Kansas, especially being kind of a D3 guy, uh, been interested in them. And I think seeing them against uh, you know against Arkansas is going to be going to be pretty cool. Um, you know, I think Texas Tech Mississippi is going to be a pretty good game. Uh, I like watching Lane, so uh, just watching to see what he does is going to be uh, you know it's going to be fun and. And there's a bunch of them. Like I said, I think that the hard part is just knowing um, who's going to play. The other one I think that, that could be really good is uh, it's Clemson and Tennessee. And, and I, 
I'm not a Dabo Sweeney guy, so I really hope Tennessee puts it on him uh, pretty good. Uh, but I think that's another one that, I, that I'm intrigued by. Just the uh, Hopefully both teams wear their orange jerseys and it's just a, just a cluster. Uh, but that one I think could be a really good game as well. Next up we have Tom who would like to know, give us your top five holiday classic movies or specials of all time. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's go. So I'm going to give you my number. I'm going to start with number one just because it's uh, my, my favorite special, my favorite holiday movie is the Charlie Brown Christmas. It's about 23 minutes. I think CBS used to play it. Uh, don't know why, but, but Charlie Brown finding that pathetic little tree and uh, – and, and, you know, fixing it up with Linus's blanket and uh, and doing it right, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. So that, that's probably number one. That one, I think, is like a childhood one. You, you know, back then when you didn't have all the streaming services and that, um, there was usually like a, a Sunday night where Charlie Brown would be on and then the Rudolph uh, Claymation one would be on, kind of back-to-back, and it was like a special time because you knew Christmas was coming when those were on. So I'll go Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, I'm a big fan of Home Alone. So I've watched that with the kids a little bit. So um, Home Alone's definitely on the list. Um, you know, my, my kids like that one as well. So that one's kind of a holiday classic. Um, love Elf. So Elf is in my top five. Um, again, I, I think just a really good, you know, really good movie. So, so enjoy that one. Will Ferrell's is pretty uh, pretty outstanding. Um, trying to think what else. We, we enjoy the, uh, the Grinch. So I, I'll put that on my list. Um, the, the Grinch with um, Jim Carrey, kind of the, the real life one. I think it's about 20 years old now or something like that. But, but that one I think is, uh, is pretty enjoyable. Um, that's probably the top four in some order. Like I said, Charlie Brown being, being number one. I, I enjoy the Rudolph, like I said, the Rudolph claymation or whatever it was. Um, just again, because I think it's kind of childhood memories, some nostalgia there. So I'll put that one in the five spot and, and we'll go with that, uh, that list. Beth would like to know, what is the holiday tradition that your family follows that you hope your children will continue to do when they are adults? Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything that we do that's, uh, that's really, you know, really special, uh, that's, that's really unique, I should say, as far as a holiday tradition. Uh, you know, the big thing with my family is, you know, we always, um, Christmas morning was always the, the best day of the year, you know, when I was growing up and I grew up with four siblings and, and, uh, so it's five of us and, you know, we were not allowed to get out of bed until 7am. So you can be sure we were up at about 530, just, just watching the clock till seven. Um, and then once seven came, you know, we always opened up, uh, opened up gifts and, um, you know, one at a time. So it's youngest to oldest. And we still do that. Um, you know, we'll do that at my mom's, um, you know, coming up, uh, on Christmas, so it's, it's youngest to oldest, and you watch everybody open gifts, and um, I just remember the, you know, probably the biggest memory I have from Christmas is uh, my parents did a great job of, of really letting us know that if we were bad, we weren't getting gifts, so there was always a period of just anxiety, just never knowing when you turn the corner into the living room if there was actually going to be presents or not, um, so that's probably the thing that we try to do with our kids, you know, try to get them to behave, um, for at least a month over Christmas, so you, you try to really let them know that there's a possibility that uh, that gifts won't be there. Um, so that's probably maybe that's the thing that I tell them to continue, just for their own sake, is, is get their kids to uh, get their kids to really believe there's a possibility that Santa is not coming, and uh, and kind of go that route. 
Connor would like to know, are you that guy with excessive amounts of lights and decorations in and around your home? Absolutely not. Uh, I don't like the cold that much, so I'm not, we don't have any lights on our house. Um, everybody else can do that. There's a, you know, about a mile from our house, there's a pretty nice light show they put on, so we usually go to that once or twice during the holiday season with the kids. And uh, But no, I, don't, I have no interest in being outside hanging lights. Um you're always outside, you know, we, we've done it in the past, and then, like, one of the light sets will go out, or, um, you know, you, you're putting them on, like, the garage, and, the, and one of them, like, falls, and it looks terrible. Like, I have no interest in doing that. So, we can be very festive. You know, we obviously have our tree up and, and lights in the house and some, some decorations inside, but I am not, uh, I'm not going out in 23-degree weather uh, on a ladder to hang lights. So, that that's not me, Um you know, people do it, great, uh, more power to them, but that is not me. I feel like this person has an inside track on something. So Bob would like to know, have you ever been involved in an epic snowball fight? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, probably the best snowball fights, um, and this is kind of, a, kind of a, a tough story, but one of my teammates in college um they were messing around in their room and, and throwing balls around and, and kind of like playing football, and they broke their dorm window. Um, so their, their solution was to, to go outside and start a snowball fight, um, had a pretty epic snowball fight, and then claimed the window was broken uh, during the snowball fight. Um, so they'd have to pay the, uh, the dorm charges. So uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good solution. I think there was a, it was a late-night situation, so there may have been um, – some extracurricular activities going on before the uh, window broke, but uh, yeah, pretty epic uh, snowball fight. Um, remember being outside? They they rallied the uh, kind of the dorm at about midnight to go outside and start a snowball fight, and then claimed that the uh, the window was broken, you know, somehow by by a piece of ice or a snowball. And I think they I think they succeeded in getting off and not paying the uh, the dorm bill and getting their window fixed. So. That, that's one strategy if you're on the first floor of a dorm. Uh, but I remember that you know that was. Uh, a good one of those good fresh snows and really good snowball, um, you know, snowball weather. And then he had about you know 50 guys from the dorm outside um, at about midnight just, just having fun. So that, that was a pretty good one. Gordon would like to know where do you stand on the subject of eggnog? Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I I don't. I mean, I don't understand some of the stuff. Like if eggnog was so good, why are we not drinking it year round? Right. If it, if it was so outstanding of a of a drink, why are we not uh, partaking in eggnog in March? You know, um, so yeah, not a fan. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, don't, uh, never been a fan. You know, I, I've tried it. I don't think I've ever had a glass of eggnog. No, do I ever want to? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of things like that. I'll go on a little rant here. There's a lot of things like that that people think they're supposed to like just because it's Christmas, and it, it's just not good. So quit pretending eggnog is good. Quit pretending you have to drink. You don't have to drink it. You can just say, no, I'm not going to do that, and uh, we can move on. So, yeah, not, not a fan. And what are our words of wisdom for this week? Yeah, I guess uh, the, the biggest words of wisdom I'd say is just enjoy the time. You know, I think uh, for me, you know, having, uh, having younger kids now, uh, you know, Colton now is, is 13, but, but our younger two, uh, Kanan and Blakely, are 7 and 4, uh, just seeing the excitement in their eyes uh, at Christmas is so special. And um, just the, the whole holiday season, you know, they have their Christmas Christmas uh, musical or their Christmas concert today at school. So uh, we're going to go and see them. And just their excitement um, 
like a second grader and a 4K student uh, for their Christmas concert. It's just so awesome to see. And, you know, you hope that you never lose that, you know, as parents and as, as you get older, you hope you never lose that excitement. And um, it's just a really special time. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is just um, look out for your friends and family. You know, this is also a really hard time for a lot of people um, with the holidays and, you know, people that have gone through um, some trauma or maybe had uh, people in their lives that are missing this holiday season with, with you know, with sickness or, or death or things like that. And, and um, it can also be a really stressful time for people. So I, I think, you know, enjoy the heck out of the time. Enjoy the heck out of the holiday season. Um, enjoy the time with family and friends. And look out for those that, that may be having a little bit of a struggle this holiday season. Um, it's, it's kind of what it's all about. Fantastic. Coach Bruton, thanks for joining us, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Rob. Thank you.